elevated me from a copywriter to a rainmaker, if you will. So now I'm driven again, kind of like I was in my 20s, but in my 20s, it was more desperation. But the other piece too is stacking skills. See, I think one mistake a lot of people make is they just learn one skill. Yeah, so today I have five companies and I think I'm about to start three more. (laughs) So I'll just quickly go over them. So I've got a publishing company in music space. We've been around for over 12 years. A supplement company that's been around for over 11 years called Bioptimizers. We help people fix digestion and optimize their bodies. Business partners with Dawson Church. We have what's called the Energy Psychology Certification. Then I have a tech startup that isn't making money. It's costing me money, but we've been building a really cool platform for three years and I think we'll be launching later this year. And then I have pay for performance optimization deals, which has really taken off for me. So we can get deeper into the whole pay for performance thing later. So that's what's going on right now. Yeah, so I live in Panama. I'm Canadian, but about 13 years ago, I decided I wanted to live abroad and Panama kind of had all the check boxes ticked. And how old are you today? I am 40. I just turned 40. Okay, congrats. Any big celebration? <laughs> you know, I went to, to Nicaragua, San Juan del Sur. It's one of my favorite towns and just hung out with some of my best friends. So you're married or single or what's the personal life? Yeah, happy married. Yeah. Uh, been married. We just celebrated six years. You said you were from Canada originally? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And where in Canada and then kind of what school did you go to and kind of how do you get to where you are today? Yeah, so I'm from New Brunswick. Uh, that's on the East Coast. You know, when you ask when you tell a Canadian from the East Coast, they think Toronto, Montreal, no, it's, it's way more East than that. It's really like my parents live 10 minutes from the Atlantic Ocean. So I went to the University of Moncton, studied kinesiology and the science of physical activity. So my first career was as a personal trainer. And I always knew I wanted to build a business around health and fitness. I was always really passionate about it. So I graduated and actually throughout university, I was already training people. And I was charging people, you know, I was charging, I think, 15, 20 bucks an hour. So then I graduated and I had a full-time job at the gym, 40 hours a week. Plus, I was doing another 30, 40 hours of personal training before and after my shifts. And at the time, I was charging 25 bucks an hour, saved up some money. You know, I was working literally like 80, 90 hours a week. Plus, I was learning copywriting. Plus, I was recording an album. Plus, I was training twice a day. So literally, I had, the only way I could pull that off was to sleep five hours a night. And I don't recommend that, but that was where I was at at the time. I was just hungry for success, man. Mm -hmm. I was really driven. Then I moved to Vancouver and I really put my marketing skills to use because I had been studying copy and I became the the busiest or the second busiest trainer in World's Gym downtown Vancouver, which was a pretty big accomplishment. And and I did it quickly too. And I did it not because I had a great physique or I had accomplishments. I did it because of my marketing and sales skills, which I had learned before. So there's some other entrepreneurial stories also when I was in New Brunswick. One, I was a college pro painters franchisee for two years. That was one of the most difficult, intense things I've ever done, to, even to this date. You know, it was just <laughs> trial by fire, knocking on doors in February. It was minus 20 and asking people if they wanted a free estimate. You know, and, and I wasn't, I wouldn't say a natural salesman. Like I was zero for 10 out of my first 10 estimates. But then I started learning and I won the most improved manager of the year, the first year and the second year. So by the second year, I was closing 50% of my estimates. 
which is pretty good. Right. Was that from like studying the copywriting or is this before you're studying copywriting? This was before. Okay. Yeah, I was around, I think I was 20 and 21 when I did that. And they have a phenomenal training program. Like Calls for Painters is owned by a company that specializes in franchises. So they have actually a suite of different franchises and Calls for Painters is just one of them. So their training process is and how they run the company is world-class. So I learned a lot there. Then the other thing I did that was entrepreneurial is I started organizing self-defense fighting seminars in Moncton, New Brunswick, because I was really passionate about it. And I couldn't afford to fly to Tulsa, Oklahoma and train with Christoph Clarkson, which was the guy that I wanted to train with. So what I did, I said, hey, man, can I bring you down? He said, sure. Here's my fees. <laughs> so it was cheaper for me to organize an event and sell it. So I kind of learned how to hustle and grind because it was just like selling one on one. And I did like 35 events over seven years. So that was another entrepreneurial experience. Then I moved to Vancouver. I've always been the kind of guy that did multiple things. So it sounds a little confusing. I was a trainer. I was organizing seminars. Like I was doing kind of all of those things simultaneously. And then when I moved to Vancouver, did built a personal training business. And then I launched my first real online success about two years after landing in Vancouver. And it was a skincare formulation an anti-aging skincare formulation. And right out of the gate, you know, pulled five figures the first month. And I remember the first sale and the first day, it was profitable. So I couldn't sleep for a couple of days. I was just so jacked. And then I just grew that. And at the time, it was a lot easier than it is now to build online machines and online businesses. So from there, I partnered up with my business partner, Claude, with Guitar Control. We launched that. So that's the business that's 12 years old and still rocking and rolling today. So yes, we launched that. Then I partnered up with another friend of mine who was a natural bodybuilding champion. That's the supplement business. It evolved and transitioned a couple times, but that's Bioptimizers today. So that started also in Vancouver. That was that phase. Then I moved to Panama and I had a solid five-year party run, okay? And that's putting it in a positive light, but <laughs> I was a little out of control. I got divorced at 28, then just went right off the rails with drugs, alcohol, and women. So <laughs> including my first four years down here, Panama lends itself well to that. Right. So there was not a lot of business at that time. If anything, like businesses were just – but due to the automation, I was able to continue making money despite not really caring about it. Bodybuilding business, the guitar business, and I had a couple of other things at that time that petered out over time. But yeah, so just kept making money despite, and I really didn't work, barely worked for five years. Mm -hmm. And then I sobered up about eight years ago and started just building things again. So, you know, I partnered up with Dawson Church. That was a couple of years ago. The pay for performance optimization deals is something that I've done in the past, but I'm really putting a lot more energy into it and, and the words out because split testing has always been my favorite thing to do. And I've just built a treasure chest of data and insights and things that work. So I can usually increase people's conversions on their funnels, you know, 30, 50, 100 percent. Sometimes I've done as much as 20 X, 2000 percent, but that's a special case. Fortunately or unfortunately, I have a lot of passions. It's very easy for me to become passionate about things. So I was always passionate about health. I've been playing guitar since I'm 12. I had a band, recorded an album, so I did all of that. 
And, you know, even with Dawson, with energy psychology, I'm really passionate about that entire field. So I never do things that I'm not excited about. That's just one of my rules. You know, I say no to a lot of things that could make me money or could make me a lot of money just because if I'm not enjoying it to like, that was always my rule. You know, I've always just chosen to do things that I'm excited about. Mm -hmm. So, but being a guy that's got a lot of passions and just the way my brain works, I tend to do a lot of things and I need to do a lot of things to keep my brain stimulated. Right. Well, yeah, I think it was good to touch again on that. You're saying before you moved to Panama that you ended up getting divorced. How long were you married before that? I got married young. When I was a personal trainer at the gym, I met this beautiful Swiss lady mm. and we got married at 24. And then we moved to Vancouver and we just grew apart. We, you know, like the exoticness faded and the reality of the cultural differences were, <laughs> were apparent at that point. Yeah. So we just parted ways when I was 28. Gotcha. I didn't know if that played anything from like the entrepreneurship role. People don't talk about a lot of the things that you have to give up, whether it's time with your friends or hanging out with them or loved ones. And so did that lend anything into it or was it just purely what you were saying and not because uh, you're so focused on all, you know, running three different businesses or four different businesses, it sounded like at the time? Yeah, no, I've always been blessed to... um like even my current wife and Christine, the first one, they've always been extremely supportive of the entrepreneurial drive and taking care of the household, if you will. So yeah, I never got any grief there. It was just other problems. Were you working around, you're saying 80 hours at that time too during your marriage then? No, that stopped when I moved to Vancouver. Okay. That was in Moncton. You know, I was just desperate to, to leave Moncton. You know, I was like, hey man, I got to get out of here. You know, the small mindedness mm. was crushing me because I just wanted to be in a national or global vibe. And that's one of the main reasons I live in Panama. I love being in the world. You know, I love, yeah, I want to try to escape boxes. That's a big mindset shift for me. So if I could go on another planet and hang out there for a while, I probably would, you know, but <laughs> maybe Elon Musk will pull it off in Mars. Right. Well, did you know anyone when you moved down there or, or what? I moved with one of my business partners at the time and he stayed for eight months and then and he left because, <laughs> you know, his girlfriend came a few months later and she couldn't handle it. So they went back and I stayed. Oh, yeah. You know, I made some friends along the way, obviously. So, yeah, it wasn't an issue. But I had never visited the country. I just literally just put my stuff on a ship, bought a plane ticket, a one way and came. And then you're partying for a few years. I guess it wasn't necessarily because of burnout. You just wanted to get your mind off things or? Why was partying so hard? Yeah. Uh, because I've got a propensity for addiction, you know. Right. <laughs> That's why it's like. My brain's just hardwired for it. You know, looking back as a kid, I was addicted to sugar, TV, video games. You name it, I would just go all in. So I got to be very careful what I get into mm -hmm. because I just, I'm hardwired for it. I'm zero to 10 kind of guy. After you're kind of done with partying, you're still in Panama. So are you in Panama City there? or Yeah, yeah Panama City. Panama. Gotcha. So then talking about pay for performance, I mean, what does even pay performance mean? And give us a general idea of what you're talking about now. Well, you're actually probably a pay for performance guy. You just don't call it that. I mean, a sales commission is a type of pay for performance. But I'm going to rewind a little bit okay. because, you know, I just want to talk about how I've made probably 10, 20, 50, maybe 100 times more money than the average copywriter marketer. And this is something that you want to establish as a mindset. And for everybody listening, I don't care if you're a graphic designer a video production guy, whatever your skill sets are, this is a big mindset shift. So when I started learning copy, I did a couple of clients, but I'm like, man, this is a lot of work. So then I learned the pay-per-click side. 
so Google AdWords and the combination of being able to write a sales letter and to be able to drive traffic to it, it elevated me from a copywriter to a rainmaker, if you will, right? I'm able to generate money. So my mindset was always partnerships with the guitar guy, with Claude, he was one of my students and I saw he had the drive to become an entrepreneur. And actually he was hiring me to teach him marketing at the time. And I just said, let's partner up. So instead of saying, Hey, hire me to do a sales letter and you'll pay me 10, 20 grand, 25 grand, like some copywriters charge. My mindset was, well, let's partner up you know, I'll get 50% of the business and I'll help you build this thing. And obviously I made, you know, multiples and multiples more than, than I would have had I charged a one-time fee. So that's mindset number one is try to get equity. Now, and we could talk about making deals because I've made a lot of deals and I, and I understand the nuances. So we can get into that rabbit hole. But the other piece too is stacking skills. See, I think one mistake a lot of people make is they just learn one skill. So let's say you're a video guy. Okay, so you're really good at capturing video. That's cool, but there's tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of video guys, right? It's a commodity. Like if somebody says, yeah, I charge 100 bucks an hour, I'm not going to hire them because I can hire guys for 20, 30, 40 that just came out of college or university or whatever. And, you know, they bought a camera and like the, the price of cameras have gone down. So a camera guy is a commodity. Now, if the camera guy stacks YouTube optimization skills, right? So that's another skill set. But let's say he says, yeah, I'm not just the video guy. I'm also really good at optimizing videos and getting your YouTube videos to rank. Now it's a different animal and that opens up doors so he can say, hey, you know, I'll shoot your videos for free. I'll do the entire YouTube optimization. I just want 30, 40, 50% of your YouTube revenue and you don't have to worry about a thing. See, that's how stacking skills opens up new universes of possibilities, especially if you stack a business skill, a marketing skill, like a money-making skill with a technical skill. That's the key. So, you know, with the copywriting, copywriting is a money skill, but when I had that plus the traffic generation, that's really what opened up the entire universe of being able to partner up with people. So that's a big, big secret or insight that I want everybody to use. Don't get stuck in one thing. Like keep learning skills, keep adding skills. Again, it's like, let's say you're a personal trainer, right? Let's take that example, which is a good one for me. So I was a personal trainer. I didn't stop there. I learned marketing and copy. So when I went to World's Gym, most trainers were only feeding off the scraps that the gyms were feeding them. In other words, the gym would give them you know, one or two clients a week. But because I had copy skills and I knew how to advertise, I was able to generate you know, literally 10, 20 times more clients than they did because I wasn't limited to just a personal training skill. So I think that's the big thing. Like You can't just have a technical skill. It just doesn't cut it in today's competitive world. You're going to need to stack more things. When you're talking about second skills as well, like when you're talking about you being a personal trainer and then being good at copywriting so you could get clients or how to advertise, what happens if and you're in another position and you just jump to like a different industry? I guess I want to perceive that as a stacking skill because you're doing two different things. Is that the way you should look at it? I should have something that adds on to what I already know? Well, when you're changing industries, there's certainly some carryover on the soft skills, you know, your ability to be productive and work and your mindsets, those you carry with you, right? 
those are the ones that you can bring with you just about everywhere, right? So copy, sales, ability to generate traffic, the ability to build a team. Those are skills that will work in every business, right? So you can add value. Now, the technical skills, if I go from being a plumber to being a doctor, <laughs> there, right. there's very little transference on the technical side. But the soft skills and the money skills, that's what transfers really well. And were you thinking proactively back then or is it like you looked back and you're like, okay, this is why it looks like I've had the success that I've had? Or were you being like proactive at the time and already thinking that way? I knew that. Like I had a huge eureka and I actually remember the moment I was in my bed. I was reading a lot of business books and marketing books. And, you know, when you're starting to learn, it's just a flurry of knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you're in a snowstorm and like you don't know which snowflake is really important, right? right. <laughs> it's just a ton of snowflakes hitting you in the face. So and as you move along, then you get those eureka moments, those light bulbs go off in your head and you know what's important. So I'm lying in bed. And it was just like a download and it was marketing is the key to generating revenue. That was it. Like I understood it. So that moment, that's when I became obsessed with marketing and marketing is a big arena, right? There's copywriting and, you know, marketing is really another level above copy, but I knew I needed to learn copy and learning how to position things, how to create good products. So that was the foundation for me. So I was like 22 when I had that insight. It's like a great salesman will never starve. It's the same thing for somebody that's a good marketer. Marketers don't starve. There is a shortage of great marketers. I, you know, If we go to a, a mastermind event or any type of event and we talk to all the entrepreneurs there, let's say an entrepreneurial event, if they could hire a great CMO, chief marketing officer, they would. You know, And I was just at an event last week and a lot of people have that problem. So because, you know, most marketers are good enough. If they're good, they just build their own businesses. Right. You know what I mean? Like I can go in any industry and build a business mm -hmm. and usually do very well because of the skill sets. Yeah. I think that's really important to hone on because you said I used to work for a bigger real estate company and you could have been, like I said, again, I was on the commercial side, but there's guys who just sit there who are, you know, quote unquote sales guys waiting for the leads come in versus, you know, I actually sat down, thought about how do I make money at the end of the day? I need more potential clients. How do I get those potential clients and how do I find out where they are? And then you kind of start marketing that way. And then that's why I was able to start my own company. And so, yeah, that's a really important thing to harp on. Now that you got back in the arena business after the partying thing. So what's your position now? What do you do? The supplement business never died. And that's really revived and is ramping up for the last couple of years. The guitar business kept rolling along. Okay. So those things kept rolling and <laughs> fed me while I was partying. Yeah. I sobered up and you know decided to put some energy again in, in the supplement business a few years ago, like five, six years ago. So that's why it's the best place it's ever been. And yeah, again, I partnered up with Dawson and then the pay for performance stuff started. It was kind of organic, you know, and people were asking me to help them out. Just through word of mouth, people have been contacting me. So right now, I've got a lot of great deals that I'm working on clients. And again, it's my superpower. So as you evolve and you do a lot of things, you get clear what your superpowers are. Like what's your real strengths? What's the things that you're really, really good at that generate a lot of value for people and that's rare? If you got that combination, then you're going to make a lot of money. You know, so I can make thousands of dollars an hour doing this because I generate tens of thousands of dollars an hour. And that's a really key point, right? So this is the Millionaire Podcast. And if you want to 
make millions, you need to generate tens of millions. It sounds basic, but people don't get it. And I'm going to use an example in another industry, right? So I'm a huge UFC fan on Ultimate Fighting Championship. So in that industry, a lot of fighters are complaining that they're not getting paid enough, but they don't understand the basic economic law, which is if you generate money, then you deserve a slice of that. That's a law. You know, and it's simple. So a lot of fighters, they might be really skilled, they might be highly ranked, but they don't sell pay-per-views. So at the end of the day, they're not paid on their skill sets. They're paid on how much money they can generate for the UFC, right? Because the UFC makes a lot of money with the pay-per-views. So, you know, Conor McGregor makes tens of millions of fight because he generates, you know, a hundred million. So he gets that 10% or whatever it is ends up being, which is the way it all goes. Again, you sell real estate, if you're selling real estate, whatever the deal is, three to 5%. So if you want to make millions in real estate, you got to sell tens of millions of dollars of real estate. So that's a really core truth that you need to embrace. We're not owed anything. We don't deserve anything. We get what we earn and we get a slice of the pie that we end up generating. So in the pay for performance stuff, I typically set it up where I get 25% of the increased net margin that I generate until I get a million bucks, then I'm done. That's the deal. So for an example, and it's all measured because it's we're doing split tests. So let's say you have a funnel for your products or your business. And right now, on average, every person that comes to your website is generating a dollar. So if I can take it from a dollar to two dollars, then I would get 25 cents for every visitor that hits your website until I make a million bucks. So it's, a, it's great because most people don't optimize. They don't care. They'd rather build something new. And I get it. I get the mindset. But for me, what I love is to make things better. So usually I come in and I take the assets that are working and I make them work better. So they're making a lot more money. They're making three extra dollars for every dollar that I generate short term. And then once I'm paid out, they keep making the money. So yeah, it's worked out really well. And you know, again, people are really happy with that deal. I've literally have received zero blowback from that deal. Now, a lot of people that do what I do, there's not that many people that do what I do, but those that do, they'll charge monthly fees, which to me, again, it goes back to my original mindset 15 years ago. Why am I going to charge fees when I can get a piece of the action? Again, going back to that truth that I understood, if I get a piece of the action and I can generate the action, then I'm going to make way more money. So that's mainly what you're focused on right now, it sounds like, is the funnels and optimizing other companies? Yeah. Okay. Putting these type of deals together. It's taken off. I still have my four other things. Right. So I've learned how to build companies and work on the business exclusively instead of working in the business. Mm -hmm. So like 70, 80% of the time, I'm working on those businesses, which is very different than working in those businesses. That took a long time to figure out and to evolve into that. When you're setting up these funnels and everything, and you're talking about the pay that you're getting per you know, site visit, et cetera, are you setting that all up to make sure you get paid? Or have you had any like horror stories where you know you did set it up and you didn't get paid? It makes sense wanting to get in a piece of action, but if you don't control the money, I mean, like I said, have you had anyone screw you on it? There's somebody that's owed me money for a long time. They, they paid me about half of it so far. Mm. Yeah, you know, I mean, the big thing when you're doing those types of deals is you have to be extremely selective. Right. I say yes to about one or two people out of 10 that want to work with me. You know, a lot of deals, they're too small. I'm not interested in the products. I don't trust the person. 
I don't think that the industry is that interesting. So those are the kind of things that will make me say no. Now, if I like the person, I like the product, I like the industry, and they're generating enough money. See, I don't build funnels. There's a big difference. I take funnels that are working and make them work better. There's a lot of people that build funnels and that's cool, but that's not what my ultimate passion is. I'd rather take something that's already built and just, you know, tighten up the screws and make it work better that, and then generate more money. So that's what I do. And so, I mean, when we're talking about funnels, are we just talking about online click funnels, for example? Is that someone already has something set up like that? And then you're coming on there and optimizing it? Or I just want to make sure I'm not narrowed down and thinking of sure. one thing and making sure I understand the whole concept. Yeah, I apologize if anybody's listening and uh, they're confused about the words. But yeah, a funnel is... A sales process where somebody comes in and it's engineered to sell a product. So, you know, let's say you're selling a ebook on how to sell commercial real estate. So that whole funnel might start with a landing page, a capture page, opt-in page, they enter their name, their email, then there might be a thank you page, then there might be a sales letter selling the product, then there's the order page, then there's the upsell pages, then there's the autoresponder sequence that follows up after they opt-in. That whole thing is the funnel. And it's designed to usually sell one product, sometimes two or three, but typically one. So I just need to set up an ebook and then I give you a ring? <laughs> get Set up an ebook, get it rocking, and then give me a ring. So now that like, we kind of see what you're mainly focused on now, what's a typical day or work week or anything look like for you? <laughs> another mindset, another thing that I found to be a truth, and it's, I call it reaching the boiling point, right? So water only starts to boil at 100 degrees using Celsius. So at 99 degrees Celsius, the water's not boiling it. We don't have steam. Soon as it hits 100, we got steam. So to go to another level, and you know, there's levels as entrepreneurs, right? Like, let's just kind of capture that. So level one is you're starting out, you don't have a lot of money. Then let's say, you know, the second level is you're making a hundred grand a year. You know, like they say for happiness, 75 grand a year is where your life changes. So that's like five grand a month, six grand a month. Then you start making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. That's the next level. Then it's millions, right? And then, but there's levels past that. You know, if, if some people want to become a billionaire, like Gary Vaynerchuk, who wants to buy the Jets, he's got that mission and it's fueling constant evolution. And that's a big, big thing to understand. And so, you know, depending on your vision of yourself is, hey, there's nothing wrong with stopping at 100 grand, right? If you want to live a good life, but not an extravagant life, then you can stop there and, and really optimize your life. See, I got to the point where I was doing really well and only working 20 hours a week. So that was my life like two years ago. And I lived that life for three, four years. And if you go to madgallant.tv slash 3x, and we can put the link in the show notes, yeah. I give a book away. It's an 80-page book on how to triple your productivity and get way more done with 20 hours a week. And I literally detail exactly how I did that. So then about two years ago, I just... You know, there's just this different type of drive that came over me to make the world a better place. So now I'm driven again, kind of like I was in my 20s, but in my 20s, it was more desperation. It was frustration. It was fear, you know, fear of being stuck in a small town, frustrated that, you know, I wasn't successful and desperate to just leave those circumstances. That was my drive, right? But, you know, once I started making money, and I achieved a lot of the things that I wanted to, then that drive left, right? Because there's nothing to be frustrated about. 
there was nothing to be fearful about. Like in a lot of ways I had, I had arrived. So for quite a few years, I'm like, you know, there was nothing driving me. So I just worked 20 hours a week and that was cool. But a couple of years ago, again, just, I had, you could say some spiritual experiences that shifted things inside of me that now I'm just driven and excited and loving it. So it's more coming out of a love, if you will. And so now I'm working probably about like 40 hours a week, which again is a relatively new thing. So I, I take weekends off. I work Monday to Fridays. Usually I start at 9, 9.30 and I usually end at 4. But on Mondays, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I'll work in the evenings for a couple of hours because again, I'm trying to reach that next boiling point. So when you're launching new endeavors, again, look at that water metaphor. You know, you got to keep adding heat until that water turns to steam. And if you're getting started, if you're just starting out, it can be really frustrating looking at the water and just saying, where's the steam, man? You know, because you're putting energy, you're putting effort. It's a grind. It's a struggle. You're not getting the gains. You're not getting the payoffs. But that's normal, right? Until it pops, until you hit that boiling point, it's going to be that way. And every level is like that. You know, if you decide, okay, I'm making 100 grand a year and I want to go to a million dollars a year, guess what? You're talking about a couple of levels of evolution to get there. So you might have to learn new skill sets. You probably will. And you're going to have to put some energy into it so that next level of boiling point arrives. So that's why I'm working about 40 hours a week, which again, I went from 80 hours a week to zero hours a week to 20 hours a week for about four or five years. And now I'm back to 40. And I want to stay there. Like to me, I love traveling. I love leisure. I love chilling. I love hanging out with my wife. So, you know, I'm not afraid to work 60, 70 hours a week for a couple of weeks, but I'm not interested in being like that all the time. Yeah, you sound um, like my twin in Panama because I've, I've experienced all that. I mean, as far as when I was grinding, starting off my own company, I was, say, 25. What got me going is basically I told the guy that I was working with, I was doing everything myself already, and I was going to just go ahead and do my own thing. I basically took out all the risk, right? I'm just looking at minimizing the risk. And if I'm all doing it and making the guy money, I can do that for myself. And that's when I was kind of on that grind doing the 60, 70 hours a week. It's, yeah, it's out of kind of desperation because, you know, you don't have any money and you just want to prove that you can do it. Then and yeah, you get to that comfortable point where, yeah, last year or two, I was probably working 10, 20 hours a week just because it's not going to say automatic because it's still paying time for money, but you, got, you get those clients coming in and you kind of lose it. But now I've kind of gotten that drive back just even doing this podcasting and talking to like successful people like you. So it's, uh, can definitely understand where you're coming from on that. So it, it's not always just about grinding 80 hours a week and just making the money. No, it's called millionaire interviews, but there it comes a point where it's kind of life balance as well. Here's the interesting thing. So it's not hard to make $100,000 or you know, $150,000, $200,000 a year. I mean, if you're in the right industry and you're a hard worker and you're willing to grind, you can do that, right? Mm -hmm. But that's one mindset, which I think is a great mindset to cultivate in your early days. You know, you had that. I had that in my 20s. But to go to the next level, it's a different – like the rules change because to start making multiples of that, like you can't grind, you know, it's like if you're working 60 hours a week and making 100 or 150, it's not like you can go to 120 and make 300, right? Like, right. so now you got to look at other leverage points. You got to look at systems, automation. You got to look at building teams, superstars, you know, getting people working around their strengths, building structure and synergy. See, that's how I keep building businesses. And that's what's like, again, I'm probably going to launch a couple of new things real soon because, 
is just my nature. And I'm getting better. See, I had to learn the skill sets of building teams, mm-hmm. the skill sets of using systems. I didn't have those skill sets early on. And those are you know, things that I've learned the last two, three years. And that's the key. You know, like there was this, this man named Harold Janine, and he ran 250 multimillion dollar companies. And, you know, that's one example, right? Branson, 400 companies with Virgin. So it is doable. You know, again, I look at these guys and I do it. And, you know, again, part of the evolution, if you want to be a multi, multi, multi millionaire, is you always want to be taking on more because it forces you to get smarter, right? You know, I'm looking at the stuff that I've got coming down the pipeline, some new stuff, and I know that I'm going to have to evolve. So how I build teams, the people that I bring in, I just hired a new executive assistant this week. You know, it's all about just getting help so that all I'm doing is I'm staying in my superpower zone, which is to create and to innovate, create cool products, you know, come up with the right marketing angle, the right positioning for it, and then optimizing. If I'm in that zone with my businesses, then I can keep growing those things, assuming that I've got a great team. Right. So building teams is really the key to really going to the super wealth zone because, you know, one man, two people, even like five people, 10 people, you're going to hit some ceilings. So if you want to just keep scaling, it comes down to the teams and teams that will continue growing the business, even if you get hit by a bus tomorrow. With that, we're coming to a close. I mean, I don't know if there's anything else. There's one more thing I want to say because this is the Millionaire Podcast. (laughs) So this is a mistake I made uh, in my 20s and even early 30s. And I pretty much blew most of the money I made. It was making a lot of money. Literally with your uh, infused in Panama? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, actually, I never did blow. I did just about every other drug but that. So thank God because I I probably wouldn't be. But you know what? The point is that to build wealth, there's a difference between making money and becoming wealthy. There's a lot of people that make money that are broke. There's a lot of people that make money and they're buried in debt, right? You know, Mike Tyson made $400 million. He's bankrupt, right? 80% of NBA basketball players who make tens of millions, they're bankrupt in 10. Football players bankrupt in five. It's about 90% after they retire. So what does that tell us? That tells us that it doesn't matter how much money we make. If we don't understand how to build wealth, it's not going to happen. So I look at it as three things, offense, defense, and the gap right? So offense is how much money you're making. Defense is how much money you're saving. And three, you got to invest that gap. So the gap is the difference between your offense and the defense, right? So if you're making 200 grand a year and you're spending, you know, 199, Mm -hmm. (laughs) then you have a thousand dollars to invest, not much. You know, if you're making 200 and you're saving a hundred, then you've got a hundred thousand dollars to invest. And, you know, I've built a lot of my wealth through investing. You know, I've invested in real estate. I've done really well. I've invested in some other things and done really well. So that really added to my net worth. And if I didn't have gap, and again, if I had really learned that in my mid twenties, I'd have several more million dollars in net worth that I don't have now because I didn't have that gap, right? I was making money and just spending it pretty much uh, as it was coming in. I was spending probably 90, 95%, not all of it. But so that's a critical thing. If you want to become a millionaire, at one point retire, not be dependent on having to work and continue to generate income, you need to learn to number one, temper your ego so that you're not blowing your cash. Like, and I'm just going to say one thing, because I know you got a lot of young listeners. 
the worst thing on the planet to buy is an expensive new car. Yeah. Amen. You know, I mean, please come on, mm-hmm. you know, you know, <laughs> Charles Givens was a financial advisor. And I, and I remember reading one of his books as a teenager and he says, just never buy a new car. You say you lose 40% when you come off the lot. And that really stuck with me. So like, you know, I've got a BMW X5 and an Audi A6. I bought them used. Like I don't buy new cars. And let's be clear. A car is a liability. It is, it is not an asset. See, if I can spend like the least amount of money on cars, it gives me more money to invest. You know, real estate is an asset. You know, a car is a liability. In other words, it's costing you money. It's just going to keep costing you money every day. So when you're young and I get it, you know, we're all seduced by Instagram and all of that jazz. The key is to just, again, temper our egos and say, you know what? I'm going to save some money today so that in five years from now, 10 years from now, I'll buy my dream car used, of course, buy it two years old, but I'll buy my dream car with the interest of the investments that I'm going to make today. See, that's the mindset, mm-hmm. right? Instead of, you know, if you got $200,000 to invest and you just blow it on a car, you're never going to get a return. If you invest that $200,000 wisely in 10 years from now, it can be worth half a million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Or 600000 So now you got money to buy a car plus you made more money. So that's the big one. That, and I see a lot of people, again, they're good at making money. I was talking to a guy last week, you know, he generates about $4 million a year. He blows $4 million a year, (laughs) right? So it's more commonplace than we we probably talk about, especially amongst entrepreneurs, because again, our brains are hardwired for that. So I think that's my last piece of advice. Yeah, no, I mean, that's awesome. I graduated finance. I know a lot of finance guys in New York, and like I said, they're notorious for making a million a year and blowing a million and a half, you know, <laughs> so. A million in New York doesn't go far, man. Right, yeah, no, understood. I mean, you can blow that easy. What's the best way for people to reach you if they want to say thanks? Yeah, uh, TV is my website. You know, I've got all the social media stuff. I got a Facebook page, but yeah, you know, I post some, there's some really good blogs. I think there's almost 80 blogs. I got a free books that I give away there. So yeah, people should just uh, go there and, and get some really cool free content. Gotcha. All right. Well, yeah, we'll leave links in the show notes, like I said, and then um, said, thank you for coming on. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to the podcast. After each episode, I ask our guests a few additional questions, such as, what's your favorite tool or program that makes your business more efficient? What business book have you learned the most from? And what's the biggest challenge still holding your company back? If you want the answers to these questions and other ones as well, then head over to our website, millionaire-interviews.com. You'll find the answers and much, much more at the bottom of each podcast episode. Thanks again for tuning in. Now go ahead and enjoy another one of our episodes. You've earned it. Do you consider yourself a helpful person? If so, would you be willing to help support me and my team on Patreon so we can keep bringing you this awesome podcast? Every little penny will help. If you are willing to help, go to millionaire-interviews.com forward slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Or check the link in your episode notes below. One of the many perks of supporting us on Patreon is that you can instantly schedule a call with me to help you with your current or future business. If you check out the beginning of episode 119, you can get a glimpse of what you're in store for. So to sign up for this awesome opportunity, go to millionaire-interviews.com forward slash Patreon.